Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. On Tuesday, Colin Call, Under Secretary of Defense Policy, told the Senate Armed Forces Committee that Armed Services Committee, excuse me, that both ISIS K and Al Qaeda have the intent to conduct external operations, including against the United States, end quote. Neither group currently has the capability to do so, but uh, Colin went on to say that, quote, we could see ISIS-K generate that capability in somewhere between 6 and 12 months. Uh, then he went on to say he thought al-Qaeda would take a year or two to reconstitute that capability. Uh, most of us hadn't given a lot of thought to ISIS until the withdraw- U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan, where we saw the intense rivalry between ISIS-K and the Taliban uh, come to the surface. With me right now to help us help orient us to what ISIS is doing now, we've got Joby Warwick. He's the author, most recently, of Redline, The Unraveling of Syria and America's Race to Destroy the Most Dangerous Arsenal in the World, as well as Black Flags, The Rise of ISIS. He's national security reporter for The Washington Post, and you can visit him at jobywarwick.com. We'll have all the links at our website. Joby, good to have you back here. Thanks. Hey, Al. Good to be back with you. Tell me, what do you make of uh, Colin Call's uh, assessment of the external operations of ISIS-K and al-Qaeda? Do do you weigh it the same way? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I, I think there's good and bad news with, uh, with, with both these groups. And, uh, you know, and now that it's been two years since the death of Baghdadi, right. the ISIS leader, it's, it's, That's it's right. time that... to reflect on all this as, as well. Yeah, it's almost and, an anniversary. Yeah, some some anniversary, but it's but actually a, a good one to remember. Yeah. And um, you know, there is some good news in that, in that uh, you know, in terms of the, the global capabilities of these organizations, including ISIS, uh, are much diminished um, in, in recent years. And uh, there are good reasons for that. We've we kept the sort of pressure on their leadership, and you know, they they have long term ambitions. They'd like to be able to do some uh, some terrible things in the West, but they they don't have the immediate capabilities that uh, they once had. We always are concerned when they have um, territory, when they have kind of failed state or, or a place where they can operate in a mm-hmm. security vacuum. Uh, that, that's always a dangerous situation, and that's something we have to be concerned about. But uh, we've managed to keep the sort of the leadership in a box uh, pretty well for the last uh, you know decade, really, since the death of bin Laden. Uh, what about this uh, the rivalry between uh, the Taliban and ISIS-K in Afghanistan? Uh, could Afghanistan become a place where ISIS-K tries to reestablish itself uh, and, you know, try to dis- uh, remove the Taliban? This is a really interesting rivalry. and we've, we've looked at it uh, just in the last couple of weeks and tried to sort of take a measure of what's happened since the, 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 the takeover of Kabul by the Taliban. And there's a real war here. Uh, this smaller group, ISIS-K, Essentially declared Taliban to be an enemy. They're bad guys, and 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 believe it or not, the ISIS K thinks that the Taliban is not extreme enough. They're too moderate. They negotiate yeah. with uh, the Americans and, and other Western countries, and and don't practice all these sort of executions and you know amputations and and terrible things we see ISIS do. And so they they decided to to call you know the the, the Taliban heretical and, and they attack them whatever wherever they can and we've seen this really interesting just since late August increase in the level of violence by this insurgent group uh, now going after the Taliban and, and doing the same things that they used to try to do to us with the roadside bombs and suicide bombers and assassinations and and, and it's taking a toll 
But the Taliban is is striking back. They've they've arrested or, or captured a couple hundred ISIS fighters in the last few weeks, and so so you see this this neck and neck rivalry going on. It's hard to see right now um, ISIS really gaining significant territory where they can really do some damage, but. Um, but of course, the problem also we see is that Afghanistan is in a world of trouble. Their economy is is, is a basket case. Yeah. It was in trouble before we left, and now it's it's really in bad shape. So you do have to worry that as time continues, and if if people become unhappy with the Taliban, they might look to a group like ISIS K to to, to try to sort of fight against uh, it'd be a kind of resistance movement for them. There were reports that uh, a delegation of the Taliban were received in Beijing. Uh, two months or so ago. Uh, what can you tell us about China's interest in Afghanistan? We see both China and Russia uh, looking for ways to, to extract some advantage. Uh, from the Taliban's point of view, they're looking for help wherever they can get it. They'd mm-hmm. love to have it from the UN. They'd love to have it from, from anyone. And so you can see them kind of playing rivalries, playing the U.S. against China and, and so on. Um, there are things in Afghanistan that the Chinese want. Uh, the, the big one are, are these rare earth minerals, these kinds of uh, metals that aren't found commonly in other parts of the, of the planet and, and are available in Afghanistan if you're willing to take the risk to, to send uh, you know companies in there to get it. But I, I think you'll, you'll also see some wariness. I think the Chinese uh, and the Russians both uh, you know like seeing the, the United States uh, humiliated or disadvantaged mm-hmm. in this part of the world. But there's a limit, I think, that are to what they want to do in terms of, of you know, really setting up a, an operation, a corporate operation inside Afghanistan, because it's still too dangerous. It's a very volatile place, and as we've seen in the last few, few weeks, unpredictable and quite violent. Yeah. I mean, it takes a great deal of—I mean, it's capital-intensive to try to withdraw those minerals uh, from Afghanistan, right? I mean, and business generally doesn't like unstable places to invest, yeah. so— yeah, it, it is a dangerous place, and and not only just because of the, the militants, but uh, this has become traditionally a big drug, you know, uh, you know, uh, stronghold. You see, there's quite a lot of opium. It's a huge poppy crop that that uh, the Taliban has tel- has tolerated in the past, and other kinds of drugs like meth- methamphetamine are being produced there. So, all kinds of criminal elements. There's every reason uh, for for countries and for companies to be wary of going there. So it's not as as easy as just, well, let's go in there and try to get some of these minerals and get out. Right, right. Uh, Taliban, is this a new, better version of the Taliban? Are they more committed to forming a nation state? Are they this same, Is this the same group that we saw, you know, uh, a decade, two decades ago? Mm. It's a bit mixed. We see them kind of trying to be Taliban with a kinder face, uh, trying to say the right things to get uh, international relief organizations to, to to help them, even allowing girls to go to high school, as we've seen just in the last couple of weeks, that they they seem to soften a little bit there. But uh, on the other hand, the, 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 so the, the, so the, the subgroup within the Taliban that seems to be in control of security is, is the Haqqani organization, and they are essentially... Um, international thugs and, and, and criminals, and, and they don't seem to have reformed much at all, and, okay. and, uh, and, and they continue to, to do some, uh, some, some shocking things uh, in terms of you know, going after people and executing them in the streets. So there's, 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 there's a bit of a mix. There's a kind of a good PR attempt, but the reality is they don't seem all that different from, from as we remember them in the 90s. Yeah. Uh, letting girls go to high school, is that one of the compromises that ISIS-K would find 
uh, reprehensible? Absolutely. So where the, the, the big beef is between these two groups is, is stuff exactly like that. They'd like to see, uh, you know, girls have maybe an elementary school education separate from boys, and that would be it. Um, you know, the idea of girls going on to advanced studies is just, just not uh, sit with their worldview. Mm-hmm. Um, and they absolutely, and I have been there and, and have just always been amazed at the extent to which, you know, women are completely, you know, covered head to toe. They have the big burkas, the beekeeper suits on where, um, where you can't see any, right. any bit of skin or eyes or anything like that. And that's, that's how they like it. And that's what, what they like to institute again. And you see actually some women, including educated ones, um, you know, revert to those kinds of, of costumes because they just don't want to draw attention to themselves and get into trouble with these new guys. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you have any idea how difficult it's going to be for the Taliban to keep ISIS at bay? Uh, or, or are they going to absolutely need help uh, from other outs, you know, outside nations? They're going to need some help. They don't admit to that. But what we've seen quietly, and we've, we've been reporting on that in the last, last few days, actually, is a, a, a quiet outreach uh, to, to various countries, including um, the Pakistanis next door. They have close relationships with the, with the Pakistani intelligence service anyway, since so they would like to, uh, some help from Pakistan in helping them penetrate some of these ISIS cells. There is some cooperation between our intelligence agencies uh, and the Taliban, just to the extent of kind of helping them locate some of these ISIS cells and go after them. Uh, there's kind of a mixed record on that. Sometimes the ISIS just doesn't seem, or, or Taliban doesn't really seem to, to want our help. But ultimately, they, they probably will, will, will need it if they really want to keep a handle on this insurgency. Mm-hmm. Of course, the other group we worry about is al-Qaeda, which does have traditionally really good relations with the Taliban. And there's some evidence that, that members of al-Qaeda are are back in, in Afghanistan in, in public in a way they weren't before. And the thing that our security people are really concerned about is making sure that um, al-Qaeda is not allowed to, to regenerate and sort of fester and, and become the, the sort of the global menace that it was back in the 90s. Didn't ISIS uh, emerge from remnants of uh, al-Qaeda? They did. So there was uh, after 9-11 uh, and, and particularly after the, the invasion of Iraq in 2003, there was a, an, an Iraqi group that essentially called itself a franchise of al-Qaeda. And it, it got al-Qaeda's blessing to be this, you know, this organization that called itself al-Qaeda in Iraq. So mm-hmm. it's like the first big franchise of al-Qaeda. But these people, the, they, as, you, as you indicated, they went on to become what we now know as ISIS, and they were too extreme for al-Qaeda. And if you can get your head around that, yeah. they thought that <laughs> yeah. al-Qaeda thought they were, they were lunatics. They were too, too, you know, too violent, too brutal. Their, their theology was all over the place. They didn't really follow strict uh, you know, Quranic codes as, as Al Qaeda thought they should. Al Qaeda is as brutal and, and, and criminal as they are. We, we we know that their leadership was actually educated. They were doctors and engineers right. and people who had been to college. Whereas ISIS was just the street gangs and just okay. uh, criminals and and, uh, and 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 didn't really understand the Quran very well and didn't really care if they did or not. They just were more interested in the brutality and creating an image for themselves. So these two have really been at conflict since the earliest days making friends at times when it appealed to them or when it helped both sides, but other times literally killing and, and fighting each other. So it's been a mix. Uh, al-Baghdadi declared the caliphate. Uh, what, what's the status of that now since his death? 
Yeah, it's uh, so as he was uh, dying, the his caliphate was was on its last legs too, because it, as you know, and, and our listeners will remember, at one point it controlled about uh, a third of yeah. Syria and as much as Iraq it was about the size of, of of England. It was by far the most most powerful terrorist group in the world. It had its own empire with you know with universities and military bases and more weapons and more money than they could even use. And since the death of Baghdadi, that's, uh, they, they've kind of shrunk away to uh, essentially a, a shell of what they once were yeah. and uh, just pockets of fighters here and there, but not, not, in, not really controlling territory. Yeah. Joby, thank you so much. I uh, really appreciate your help on this. Absolutely. It's a pleasure, Al. Good luck to you. Joby Warwick, Black Flags, The Rise of ISIS.